And welcome everybody called the Hit and Run episode, where we come on to debate quick topics. I'm Fernando, aka the Lone Star Halo, joined here by Todd Fox. Todd, let's dive into it. But first, special thank you to our sponsor, 714 Tickets. If you need tickets to any event, check them out. Use code HITI, H-I-T-I, at checkout. So, Todd, whenever people talk about Anthony Rendon, he's often compared to two men. Josh Hamilton, and Albert Pujols. But though I will admit that Albert Pujols was disappointing during his time as an angel, I will not accept them being compared to each other. Where are you on the Pujols versus Rendon slander? You know, I I really didn't think about it much because, you know, we're caught in the now and you kind of like turn the page. At least I did. I focused on Pujols when we had him. But um, when slander started going towards, hey, he's just another pool holes, and you were the first one to bring it up and be like, uh, I don't think you can p- compare the two. They're apples to oranges. I'm like, you know what? Let's dive into that because it made sense, you know, and some of the, the points I think you're going to bring up here, I'm totally 100% with you. I, I think the reason why people compare these two so much is because uh... – in theory, they're the two biggest free agent acquisitions in team history. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, what about Mike Trout? Oh, well, remember, Mike Trout was drafted by the organization. What about Shoei Otani? Well, when Shoei Otani came here, he signed a league minimum contract. So, and, you know, he had his arbitration period. Pujols was an established major leaguer who had one of the best stretches of a career we'd ever seen mm-hmm. before he came to Anaheim and Anthony Rendon, though not as successful in Washington was almost on the same tier. You know, he had a very established career. Uh, He had a very, very good recent stretch of success, not to mention the fact that he was coming off of a world series victory. And if memory serves correctly, so was Pujols. Correct. So, Clearly, Arden Moreno likes the idea of grabbing winners from other organizations, uh, let alone key factors in those winners, and trying to plug them into holes here in Anaheim and hoping that would translate. Clearly not the case. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. I mean, you can't – like, I've never – that's why the Yankees never worked. You know, like, they had those years because a lot of people forget – you know, they were able to add pieces here and there, but for the most part, most of their guys in the 90s, when they were on their most terrific runs, they were all homegrown talent for the most part. It's not to where they got into the 2000s where they just tried to add names, add names, add names. It just didn't work. And, and you know, you have to have a nucleus, and then you add a few names here and there. Then it gets the ball rolling. Then you get those Scott Brocious's that come up late in the series and get you those game-winning hits. But for, for the most part, you know, you need a collective good balance of players on a team. And again, like you said, you couldn't get Garrett Cole that year. And the next best shiny toy was Anthony Rendon. And it wasn't a need at the time. The need was clearly pitching. But just because Anthony Rendon was the second highest free agent out there, well, Artie's like, give him the cash. You said nucleus. And my mind immediately went to Jack Black and Nacho Libre saying nucleus. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the pivot was real. And I remember when that signing was made, that was most Angels fans' reactions, right? We wanted Garrett Cole, didn't get Garrett Cole, got Anthony Rendon, and everybody was just like, why? 
You know what? You know, yeah. Not only why, but if I had a dollar for every time I heard or seen on a social media post, someone say that's all fine. We got Rendon, but can he pitch? Yeah, we still see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on our page specifically, <laughs> or now people's favorite this year is can he catch? Yeah, exactly. Somebody gets called a can he catch? <laughs> so let's real quick let's talk about this. So. Mm-hmm. Before we dive into the numbers, you should give me a, a, a one sentence response. Okay. Albert Pujols and Anthony Rendon first four years. Do they compare? Are they on the same tier? No. In your mind? No, not at all. Okay. That's, yeah. That's, I, a, that's the best sentence I can come up with. I, I'm with you. Not at all. You know, and, and you will, you have to admit, right. That's something that people throw out all the time. When people talk about Rendon's failure, it's always Pujols or Hamilton. I'm looking at the numbers right now, and and they, they don't even they don't even add up at all. At okay, all. so let's should we start off with Pujols or Rendon? What do you think would give people the? You know what? Let's start off with Rendon first, right? Because yeah, let's, let's let's do the shock factor with him, the salary on the first four years compared to Albert, and then the production. I think that'd be fair. Okay, okay, so let's talk about the salary first. So I got that pulled up here. So obviously, 2020 is a little skewed because of the fact that the pandemic shortened season, you know, the 60 game season. So players contracts were prorated for that year. So in 2020 uh, he ended up getting, I believe what 13.4 million, but he was supposed to get 25 million. Yeah. It was adjusted to the second year, right? Uh, No, no. I believe the second year he ended up like, it was all lost money. If you didn't get it in 2020, it. it was, you know, you didn't get paid for it because you didn't play that. So it was prorated. Okay. Okay. So, so we'll kind of well let's let's count that year money wise as a wash right because everyone's salaries were kind of skewed. yeah yeah so let's go into 2021 this was his first full season as an angel did he play the full season no we'll get into that mm-hmm. 27.5 million dollars is how much he gets he got paid that year so he was not the highest paid angel mm-hmm. 2022 36 million dollars highest paid on the team mm-hmm. I believe Trout's at what 32 something like that that's he was like 31 or 32. Yeah, he's just over 30. Mm-hmm. And now our current season, 2023, $38 million. Once again, highest paid angel. And next year, 38, 2025, 38, and then 2026, 38. So just to put it in perspective, we are at the midway point of this Anthony Rendon deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's where we are on that. So once again, 13.4 million, 27.5. 36, 38. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are, Halo fam. Okay, so now let's talk about Albert Pujols. So his first five years, in 2012, $12 million. Mm-hmm. 13, $16 million. 2014, $23 million. 2015, $24 million. And then 2016, $25 million. The first five years. And then eventually we, we get to like $30 million at the very end. But yeah. He wasn't even scratching the surface. Now, at the time, in 2012, this was a very, very large contract. Inflation, obviously. obviously. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and not just in the economy. Mm -hmm. In sports, inflation has been going up like crazy. Absolutely. You know, making $38 million in 2012 a year, that was still unfathomable. And now Anthony Rendon is getting that to not play much. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so that gives you the wow factor in terms of money. 
Sound people were complaining. People were complaining that in 2012, 2013, 2014, and even 2015, which was an all-star season for Pujols, he was getting overpaid yeah. for what he was giving the team. 12 million, 16 million, hell, 23 and 24. Right now, I would kill for Rendon to have that because that would be that much more money to play with. Mm-hmm. That, that's chump change in comparison to what Anthony Rendon is getting. Okay. I'm telling you, if you're not wowed right now, Halo fam, about the what he's talking about with the salary, just wait to hear these stats. Yeah, exactly. It, it gets worse. So let's talk real quick. Let me see if I can get it real, uh, again to uh, auto-populate the combine for four years. Okay. So from 2020, no, 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 that's not what I want. Okay. So from 2020 to 2023, mm-hmm. which is Rendon's time here. He has 187 games played, mm-hmm. has had 804 plate appearances. 675 of those were counted at bats. He has scored 87 runs, has gotten 175 hits, 21 home runs combined, mm-hmm. has a batting average of 259 and an on-base percentage of 368. Let me, let me tell you something real quick. If, yes. if you if you put 162 next to the games that he's played in those four years, but you make it one season, and you put that on the back of a baseball card, and you say, okay, this hitter had 21 home runs, 109 RBIs, and a 259 average, I'd be like, yeah, it's a pretty good year. Not all-star year, but he's definitely like a number three, number four type hitter on a team. Decent guy. One year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, guys – we have been paying this man what over 60 million dollars to give us 187 games which is absolutely insane his second most games were in a 60 game season which he played 52 the highest he's played is 58 and 21. hold up i need my battery i'll I'll cut i'll cut this part give me a second okay Yeah. Yeah. The fact that the pandemic season is what we would consider his quote unquote full season is pretty sad. He's only beaten the pandemic season once in 2021, which was 58 games. Mm -hmm. Now I'll give him a little bit of credit in 2020 for what it's worth. He stayed relatively healthy and he was top 10 in MVP voting. So I'll give the devil his due there because as of right now, we're trying to find any excuse for us to be okay with this Rendon contract. And it's not even the fact that he's not staying on the field. And now we can prove that with these numbers. It's the fact that he's been such a baby about it all publicly. Mm. He's coming out and talking against the fans, And like, oh, well, I understand they're frustrated, but I want to be here for my family for years to come. I mean, Todd, you have a family. The fact is, if you don't work, guess who's not eating? 
Guess who doesn't, who isn't going to feed his kids? Guess who's not going to pay his rent? If Rendon doesn't work in terms of playing on the field, guess who still gets paid? Mm-hmm. Baseball is guaranteed money. You know what's not guaranteed money? Life. So I, I really, really hated that take this offseason when he gave it. And I know we talked about that at nauseum. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a lot of Angels fans were like, bro, F you. You know, that's one thing about Pujols. I mean, it wasn't until his very last year when he was like, oh, the Dodgers re- rejuvenated my career and reminded me what it was like to fall in love with the game. So I mean, that was annoying. But aside from that, Pools was never outspoken about the fans, you know, or the fans giving him a hard time. Because I remember in 2012, him getting booed that it took him so long to get a home run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, there's things that Rendon could have did a lot different. And, you know, he's come out saying all the things that, you know, we we would love to play the game of baseball and get paid. And he's just like, ah, I don't even watch it. Don't really follow it. It's just, you know, it's it's my job. And it's like, there's ways of, I mean, even if you got to lie, put on a good game face, then have someone help you, you know, to be better in PR wise, because it just sucks. The fact that, you know, again, you're putting down the fan base that it's mostly blue collar and, and they, they spend their hard earned money to watch you and you don't act like you give a crap. It sucks. And maybe as a fan base, we, we thought pool was the worst, you know, in our, we thought, man, he could have been better, but you know, he had the plantar fasciitis. If only he didn't get injured. If only he didn't roll into so many double plays, but even then, it's like, if you think about it now, when we get into Pujols' numbers, we're going to be like, man, I really wish Rendon was half a Pujols. One of the biggest things that I'll say about Pujols, uh, before we really dive into it, is the fact that we knew about Pujols' on-the-field injury history once he eventually came here, right? We found out pretty quick. But the thing is, Pujols would never get shut down in the middle of a season. I can recall him getting shut down once in like August. Aside from that, it was always near the very end of the season when he'd get shut down. Yeah, for the most part, I mean, you saw him when he would even hit home runs. He's huffing and puffing. You could tell that he needed shots sometimes, cortisone, and he's like blowing hard, just jogging the bases. It hurt. And, and if I remember for the first time I heard about plantar fasciitis was uh, I was watching the Pacers Knicks back in the nineties and Rick Schmitz was dominating Patrick Ewing, but they said that he was, you know, he, when he started to have a couple of bad games, they were like, his feet are killing him. You know, plantar fasciitis is a real thing. And I started to do my research back then. And then when I heard that pull hole sat it, I'm like, damn. And for him to stick it out as many games that he did is, is, is a hats off to him in my, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. There's valor in staying on the field. Um, But uh, let's now dive into Albert Pujols and his numbers for the first four seasons. Okay. So this is 2012 to 2015, which, by the way, 2015 was an all-star year for Pujols, something we have yet to see of Anthony Rendon. Real quick, Mm -hmm. if you look at his St. Louis numbers, he only missed the all-star with them twice. And he only made it once with us. (laughs) Love to see it. Love to see it. All right. So from 2012 to 2015. All right, guys, buckle up for this. He played 569 (laughs) games in four seasons. Well, Fernando, that's a little unfair. The 2020 season got cut because of COVID. Okay, well, what's your excuse for the others? Okay. 569 games. Once again, compared to Rendon's 157. And that was okay. two thir- 2013 where he missed about 101 games. 
Yeah, he only played 99 games that year. Yes. So, you know, maybe that kind of cancels that first year. Yeah. You know. Okay. So not only that, he had 2,469 plate appearances. That's compared to Rendon's, like, what, 800 and something? Mm-hmm. 308 runs compared to Rendon's, I think it was something in the 80s. 593 hits, 115 home runs. Well, Fernando, that's not fair. Rendon's not a power hitter. Keep in mind, this is a 20-plus homer guy in Washington. So, yeah, I, I don't need Rendon to give me 40 home runs a year. But yeah. if you can get me... 15 to 22 i'm happy um 369 rbis batting average of 266 on base percentage of 326 okay what i am saying here these guys aren't even on the same galaxy Mm -hmm. a pools was getting significantly less and even curve that for inflation we're talking about a guy whose first year was still, you know, under $15 million. Mm-hmm. Plus, like I said, there is valor in staying on the field. I was at a game when Albert Pools got hit by a fastball in the helmet, remained in the game. Yeah. My, my thing is this. If you look at his St. Louis Cardinals from his awesome rookie year all the way to this final year in St. Louis, he was legitimately over 30 home runs every year. His numbers are better right there than David Ortiz's tenure with the freaking uh, Red Sox. He had like awesome RBIs, more, more than him, everything, right? And if you look at his angel career, you know, if you look at the entire thing, I mean, at 36 years old, he was still batting 30, uh, 31 home runs in 119 RBIs in a season where he was hurt in third, uh, third, when he was 38 in 2018, he still had 1964. He was on pace for about like almost 30 home runs and almost hundred RBIs still. So the guy was still producing as far as Rendon, the four years he's been with the angels was from 30 to 33. Everyone forgets. We got pull holes at 32 onward. Yeah, and the one thing you can always say about Albert Pujols, even at the very end of his career, he always found ways to drive in runs for the Angels. Correct. Make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets. They take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service. With 714 Tickets, you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout. The price you see is the price you pay. Plus, our team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, we're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halo's jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code HITI at checkout. That's H-I-T-I, HITI. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. He was awesome at sacrifice flies, um, moving guys over. He and, and absolutely lot, one thing that I will admit that I did that I took it uh, for granted was when we did have the shift on the left side and he was able to do it. He would put the ball to the right and move a runner that was at second to third or home or a runner from first to third. A lot of people get mad that Albert Pujols was a double play machine. I mean, he's hit into what the most double plays in Major League history, something Correct. like that. Correct. And here's the thing that I will say about that. Baseball is a game where all you could ever do is make contact with the ball, right? That's the goal. No matter what, 
The goal is to hit the ball. Does it go through? Does it go over the fence? Obviously, these are all factors that change during every single at-bat. But he was very good at making contact with the ball. It was pretty darn rare to see Pujols consistently get overmatched and get struck out. Did he strike out? Of course. Mm -hmm. But he was pretty darn good at not striking out often. I mean, look at some of these numbers. So let's talk about those first four seasons in terms of strikeouts. 76, 55, 71, 72. You know, are those numbers a little high? Sure. But we've seen players easily in the 200s. Easily in the 150s, the 170s. The, the average for a power hitter like Judge Stanton and all these guys that are revered as, you know, your, your quote-unquote power hitters, best hitters in the league, you know, they're, they're striking out, like you said, 100 to 150 times. Albert in his career never touched th- triple digits, St. Yep, Louis never. or Anaheim. So that's kudos to him right there. Absolutely. So as far as I'm concerned, it really is time to put this narrative to rest because at the end of the day, was Albert Pujols' time here in Anaheim disappointing? Yes, absolutely. How many championships did we win? Zero. Mm -hmm. How many playoff games did we win? Zero. Hell, how how much individual success did he have in terms of MVPs here? Zero. Okay, Mm -hmm. how many all-star game appearances? One. How many uh, MVP top tens? I what? I, uh, zero. Highest he ever got was seventeen. Yeah. So we're not talking uh, about a man who had a even in, in individual success here in Anaheim. Did he accomplish some milestones? Sure, five hundred, six hundred. I th- I think that's what you can say about him in a nutshell. He was a good teacher, and yeah. he hit milestones here. But once again. The one thing that at least I can go to sleep comfortable as an Angels fan every single day is saying, you know what? Albert Pujols never came here and robbed the organization of money. Was he overpaid for what we got? Sure. Absolutely. You'd be an idiot to make that argument. Mm -hmm. But did he ever milk the organization dry for zero production? No. No, he didn't. He didn't do a Chris Davis or a Ken Griffey Jr. at their end of their careers, where they were just <laughs> yeah. strikeout machines doing absolutely nothing. Um, you know, batting. You know, because we've seen plenty of power hitters recently in the last five to ten years who, are on the back end of those big contracts, they're they're more detrimental to your team than they are helping. So Al Rodriguez comes to mind immediately. Yeah. So I mean, at least with Pujols, like he played to the very end, and I'll give him that. I mean, I've talked a lot of crap about him. But in the end, you know, if you compare these two, it's not, it's not even close. I mean, it's it's just not even close. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and real quick, uh, the, another name, this one I won't stray on too much that I see him compared to all the time is Josh Hamilton. Now, this one's a, maybe a Uh-oh. little more understandable <laughs> just because Josh Hamilton uh, did have his injury history. So and in three seasons, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have my opinions on that, and that once again, Artie Moreno handled that incorrectly. Mm-hmm. But you know, Artie Moreno is a bad human. I hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> so in three seasons, well, that's all we got out of Joshy. Two hundred and ninety games, but a thousand one hundred and ninety nine appearances. So in three years. We got more out of Josh Hamilton than we got out of Anthony Rendon. 
He also had 39 home runs, 148 RBIs, batted 255 with an on-base percentage of 312. Once again, better than Anthony Rendon? Yeah, because I look, <laughs> I look at it this too. I mean, I didn't realize I most of my memories of Josh Hamilton were of him striking out a lot. And, the strikeout uh, numbers were a little high. I mean, 318 in that span of three years. Yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, in the year 2013 and then helping, at least he was healthy for the postseason, right? You know, he stuck around there. So, I mean, like, again, he started at 32-33 with us. His best years were behind him um, at that point. But still, I mean, Hamilton still puts more numbers up. How sad is that? It's pretty sad. I honestly, the narrative might be put to rest pretty quick here, Todd. I think in the next year or two, Mm-hmm. We might officially be able to say that not only is this the worst contract in franchise history, we might be talking about one of the worst contracts in Major League Baseball history if we can't get some legitimate playing time out of Anthony Rendon. Let's forget about on-field success. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about legitimate playing time. Let me give you one more. Another guy we signed at the age of 32, and he played 140 games the first year, 127 the next year, 103 the next year. And that would be Gary Matthews Jr., who played a total of 370 with 30 home runs and 168 RBIs, batting average of 271 in three years with the Angels. Better? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying, man. These are the names that consistently get thrown out there when people talk about Anthony Rendon or, you know, oh, gosh, or just another Gary Matthews Jr. contract, just another Josh Hamilton, oh, another Albert Pujols. But what we're finding is that any way you slice it and dice it, this contract is significantly worse. Mm -hmm. There is no way around it. I'm trying to grade on a curve here. Hell, let's give him the pandemic season. Oh, because he was top 10 in MVP. We are still talking about a catastrophic failure made by the organization. And honestly... I, I, it wasn't a, a, a Artie Moreno move, right? I mean, I, I, I think we've gotten some unofficial confirmation from Billy Epler mm-hmm. that this was prompted by ownership. Well, Artie Moreno wanted Rendon. Let's just say we triple those numbers, okay? Um, for that 2020 season, he played 52 games, right? Let's just add another 100 and, uh, 104 games to that. So it'll be 156 games. If you triple that, it's basically 27 home runs and 93 RBIs. Does that still cover that contract if he plays a whole 162? No. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> no. That'd be the highest he could do. That's so crazy to me, man. It's just, it's absolutely insane. You know, I always knew the Rendon contract was underwhelming. But now, like, I'm now that we're really sitting here right now having this debate, it really puts it in a perspective. This guy's worse than Hamilton, Matthews Jr., who holds. Literally, you can probably go up and down mm-hmm. the other big contracts. I'm trying to think what other big contracts were there. I mean, the only one he might not be as bad as was Zach Kozar. Obviously, that contract's nowhere near as big. But mm-hmm. if we're grading on a curve, maybe the Kozar deal was a little worse per, you know, win above replacement that you paid for per million. Yeah. That'd be something interesting to break down. Maybe that's something we should get Andrew to do because I know he's a really good number guy and he's really good about breaking that kind of stuff down. 
Let's compare all of these contracts. Let's talk about how much we paid per win that that player gave us in an Angels uniform and really, really break it down. Yeah, I agree because, I mean, I when you look at these numbers, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, ju- it doesn't justify the money that we're giving them. Even if you were to say, okay, let's go back to 2012, pay him 2012 money. You know, he's not making that pull holes money. I'm sorry. He, he's not worth that pull holes money. Yeah, it, it, it's really, really tough. Hey, because especially now we're sitting here, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Everything makes sense looking from a distance. Yeah. So it's really hard to think back to a 2019 offseason, going into the 2020 season mindset, and think to ourselves that this was a good idea. Now, I understand why the Angels did it, right? Historically, we haven't had a lot of talented, long-term third basemen. Yeah. In this organization. True. You know, for short periods of time, sure, but not long-term options. And at the time, there was no sustainable third base prospects in the farm system, which is why they did it. Mm-hmm. Rendon uh, was the best third base option that year, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, it was the best pure hitter, according to everybody out there. So, like, yeah. one thing I'll, one thing I'll say about this is, if you look at the four contracts that we pulled up right now, three, three of the four were knee-jerk reactions. I think the Gary Matthews Jr. one was, hey, let's hurt Texas. Um, you know, and then the, the Albert Pujols one was, hey, let's get the best player in the league right now. You know, multiple all-star. This guy is going to be a leader in the clubhouse. He's going to help us get to the promised land. And you figured that would work with Trout. So at least I can justify the pull hole signing because I don't think there was too many people that were angry. There's people that were like, oh, man, we're, we are getting him for a long time. There was a, definitely a lot of that. But there weren't people that were saying, oh, we're not going to get the Albert Pools from St. Louis. We found that out quick. But at the time, it looked great. Uh, the, the Josh Hamilton one, again, was, hey, let's hurt Texas. And then Anthony Rendon was, well, he's the second best option. We missed out on Cole. And I think that was the, the whole thing. So what I'll say about the Albert Pujol signing is at the time, that's one for sure every Angels fan was celebrating, yep. right? Because at yep. the time, that was the biggest name we'd ever landed. You can make the argument maybe Vlad Guerrero. I would say that. You would say Vlad Guerrero was bigger than Pujols at that time? Yeah, because- I would say it was Pujols because Pujols, during that 10 years in St. Louis, was the greatest player that – I would say 95% of us had seen at that point. Well, I think Guerrero was, a, was, was one of those that he was still young and he was in his, like in his prime. And I think when Guerrero came over, it's like, dude, we stole him from the East coast. Like everyone said he was going to go to the East coast and let's just face it. You know, a lot of people didn't really get a chance to see him play in Montreal, but when he came to Anaheim, yeah, you saw like, true. good God, this guy's great. You know, like, but- so he, he burst on the scene sort of like Ortiz did in uh, Boston. Yeah, and for starters, let me just throw this out by saying I'm not a Guerrero hater. Of course not. I love uh, Vlad Guerrero. I mean, it's the reason why my YouTube name is Big Daddy Vloggy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, love the guy. So, but let me say this. How many MVPs did he have? I don't think any, did he? Nope. Not until he came to the Angels. Yeah. Uh, how many World Series did he win with the Expos? Zero. So, uh, how many did Pujols have? Two, three? I believe World so. Three? Yeah. I think he had three MVPs and two World Series. Yes. Okay, so we were taking a bona fide star. We were taking the biggest name that year. 
the name that everybody wanted in Major League Baseball in 2012, at least every team who had the money for it. Mm -hmm. At the time, the Angels were still kind of considered a small market team, right? They were a small to medium market, and that made them from a medium to a big market team, right? Yeah, because then that was around the same time they were claiming L.A. Yeah, exactly. That was really when that whole thing started, right? Yep. They started to take the L.A. market. Uh, Artie needed his big fish. He needed that big attraction because that's right when the, the Fox Sports deal started, right? Correct. And, then and the, the Angels needed that big name. And most of those players at that time, the Disney guys were starting to fade away or they were already leaving the organization or retiring. So he needed to, to reload. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, that was our last year with Torrey Hunter as well, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, Guerrero was gone. Uh, a lot of the former Angels were gone. So yeah, and you know that was it was definitely a turn the page moment. And that's when Mike Trout was was a nobody. Twenty twelve was his first year, but you know right. going into that, he had the one month in two thousand eleven where, let's face it, was not good. He was dog water. But you know he was a rookie. It was he was his true rookie season, and that stuff happens. Obviously, twenty twelve, Mike Trout comes up, becomes Mike Trout. And the rest is rock and roll history. He's yet to truly regress. You know, eventually we will see a legitimate regression out of Mike Trout. That won't be his fault. That's just what happens to literally every single athlete. You know, I mean, even LeBron James. You hate LeBron James. But what you, of all people, have to admit is the guy takes care of his body the way no athlete ever has before. You can admit that, right? Yeah, him and Brady are pretty much the goats at that. You know, yeah, here's the difference. Yeah. Tom Brady, I don't know. He doesn't, I'm not saying the guy, you know, takes care of his body like Babe Ruth did, but like what Tom Brady does is he constantly adjusts his game to fit his athletic ability. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady's never been the, you know, I'm going to throw a 60 yard bomb down the field type of guy. He's been a, a, a screen pass guy. He's been a, you know, running out route, you know, 10, 15, 20 yard pass guy, you know, he, he hasn't had to have those giant Drew Brees, 50-yard bombs. Yeah, he's a dink and dunk guy. But it, exactly. it, works, it works for his game. Yeah. I think uh, that that's the thing. Like, I understand. And then LeBron, like, lately has been able to just feed off of the big man, Anthony Davis, and stuff like that. He doesn't have to be the guy. Exactly. But what we can all say is the guy takes care of his body the way nobody else has up to this point in history. Obviously, now we know a little bit more about the human body, so I'm sure that's now a normal thing we're going to see. I would imagine Otani's going to be on that same plane. Just given the amount of, of attention he pays to his body, there's technology literally coming out for Otani. I mean, he was wearing that thing uh, that tracks the strain he puts on his arm when he's practicing. You know, I, I would imagine that helps keep his arm relatively healthy. But the fact of the matter, and just to wrap all of this as we start to tie this up, is the fact that I don't see someone like Rendon taking care of his body, his game, his mindset, the way that really anybody else does at all. Mm -hmm. You know, this would be something interesting for me to ask the people who I know have been around the Angels organization. Um, and to really get an idea because we know who works hard in the clubhouse and who doesn't. Something tells me Rendon's probably not that guy. I can't officially confirm that, but no matter which way you slice it and dice it, you look at the numbers and it really does prove that to this guy, baseball's a job. 
It's not a passion. It's a job. Well, here's, here's my final thought on this. Where do we move from here? Is there a movement? Is there a 2024 Anthony Rendon in your starting third baseman lineup? I don't think there's a choice. This man is still owed, what, $90 million? Over $90 million. Mm -hmm. That's on top of the over $90 million you've already paid. And we're halfway through this poop show. It, we're really it's 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 still just kind of getting started yeah you know and i understand this halo honk mentality uh and, and this is one situation where you kind of have to be a halo honk even me and even you well we haven't gotten to see a fully healthy anthony right okay i at this point it's time to scrap that we will never see a fully healthy red dog i said before this season started, if we can get 120 games out of Anthony Rendon, that's a miracle. Take it. We could potentially still see that. If we're talking about a guy who's batting 260 to 272 with an on-base percentage in the threes, has 60 to 75 RBIs and gives you over 120 games, that's a win. That's that's what we can hope and literally pray for at this point. Todd, can you see him doing anything better than that at this point? At this point, I don't know. Like, like if he hits 10 home runs or more, I'm going to be shocked. You know, in the preseason, I thought <laughs> I thought maybe he's going to be one of six guys in that lineup that will hit 20 or more. Now I'm like, there's five guys that can hit about 20. You know, I think Walsh is going to surpass him when he comes back easily. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm looking at, can Rendon hit 10? You know, can he hit 10? Can he drive in 68, 72 RBIs? And I think at this point, you have to sit back and say, well, take it. Like you said, like, get on base. Set set other guys up then. Yeah, that's why if he's going to continue to have these numbers, I'm going to say you really, really need to consider moving him to the leadoff spot. It seems like they're content with Neto being number nine and helping to overturn the lineup. Yeah. He seems to be doing pretty decent there. Taylor Ward leading off lately just has not been the bee's knees. I say you consider a guy like Rendon in the leadoff spot for the simple fact of he's very good at getting on base. Yeah, I totally agree because if you get Rendon up there at number one and you're so obsessed with keeping Trout at two, if it's got to stay that way, then you go Otani three and you go, uh, you know, for either Walsh or Renfro, vice versa for five. And then, you know, six, you got um, jury jury. And then you could bat, uh, you know, Ur Urshela, Urshela or, or award at seven and then go the catcher spot and then Neto. Yeah, I, I would like that lineup, you know, and people like to refer to Anthony Rendon as Tony two bags. The best way I see it is, you know, you get a, a leadoff double. Great. You know, you oh, have yeah. a leadoff double and look at the guys coming up behind him. You know, all, all Trout has to do is, you know, hit a ground out or even an opposite field pop out. And all of a sudden we could be talking about Rendon at third base with one out. Yeah. So, and Shohei usually grounds at least to the right side. So you're going to score that run. You're in a situation where, um, Anthony Rendon isn't the fastest, but if it's hit the correct way, then maybe he could be, you know, scoring there. So I think Rendon in the leadoff spot might be the way to go. Yeah, I think so too. And it would take 
pressure off of Ward down there at seven. So, I mean, it, it could work out. I, I, it's just unfathomable that you're, pitch, you're paying a guy that much money and then he's freaking a leadoff guy at best. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that, that's what I have on it. Uh, this guy's contract and the production or lack thereof is uncomparable to any other angel that I could possibly think of at the moment. Um, we're, we're potentially staring at the, the worst contract in franchise history. There's no way to slice or dice it. Uh, for the love of all things holy, I hope that that changes for these last four years. But as of right now, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to vote no. Uh, for the simple fact of he's yet to give me a legitimate reason as to why we should be giving him the benefit of the doubt right now. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think we, I think a lot of people, if you're hung, if you hung on this long, you, you got to realize earlier in the show, I think a come to Jesus moment was those stats with the four players we can, or three other players that we compared him to. And, and you could just see why again, I think the pull hole slander should stop. I think you started it first. You were like, hey, man, like, think about it. And then I was like, man. So, I mean, you threw these stats at me, too. And I was like, yeah, you can't. <laughs> no more <laughs> pull hole slander, man. We got we got a bigger albatross on this organization. Well, you guys have probably read the question of the day by now, which is what's the worst contract in franchise history? Uh, I encourage you guys, if you haven't yet, to head over to the Facebook group, Halos in the Infield. Check us out on any of our social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, the the Instagram, and see what other people and, and fellow uh, Halo Honks response is <laughs> and see if uh, former Angels fans or fellow Angels fans agree with us that uh, it's Rendon. I guarantee you most people are going to say Pujols and Hamilton. That's going to be the top two. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to be voting Rendon because yeah, he, I understand the contract's only halfway done. But uh, he's going to really, really, really have to shift into in, uh, just a gear that I don't know exists right now. But uh, that's going to do it out of all of us here at Halos in the Infield. On behalf of Todd and I, thank you so much for joining us for this Hit and Run episode. More to come. Have a great day, Halo fam. We hope you enjoyed this special hit and run episode. Now, this is a new concept we are trying out. If you guys ever want us to debate topics or answer questions, go ahead and send it to us via Twitter or Instagram, and we can do this style of show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media. And, of course, Viva Los Angelitos.